But um, we've been looking on Sunday nights with, uh, at the thought of why does God allow evil? And again, the reason this would be a, a heavy topic is because it's not the easiest to answer. Uh, most people that ask this question come at you with using this like a double-barreled shotgun full of buckshot. Um, and they, they come with this thought and this question, but honestly with the intent of, you can't answer this. This is, this is, my, this is my right to hate God. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I dare you to even try to convince me. It's kind of like the people that come in the church sometimes. They sit down, cross their arms, and bless me if you can. You know, uh, you know. Sometimes it's game on, <laughs> challenge accepted. And sometimes you're just like, listen, I, I'm, I just have no desire to fight. You, you don't really have a desire to listen, and I don't have a desire to argue to the wall. And, um, but there are times when people throw this question at you. And may I say, sometimes it's because it's all they've ever heard to use. There are, there's a younger generation today, they use, they use statements to attack Christianity or attack belief in the Bible and the belief in God, not because they've learned it of themselves, but because they're parroting out what they've heard for years in their own home. And many of them just make these statements thinking that they are all in all statements or, or like unanswerable questions, but it's because they really don't run into many people that know how to answer these questions without just creating a bigger argument. So we've been looking at this being a heavy topic because it is a difficult thing to try to answer and know whether or not you're dealing with somebody who even really wants to listen. But if you find somebody who asks this question in all sincerity and saying, listen, if God is good and, and God exists and, and God only does right, then why does he allow evil? Because it's just not right that we are facing so much evil in this world. That's just not right. That's not fair. Um, and again, if you first consider the premise of where they're coming from, which is always important, uh, you, you're not arguing to a person. You have to answer a question. So you understand where a person's coming from first, which helps us to views ourselves and be like, oh, oh, really? You want to challenge me? Okay. You want to diffuse yourself first. You don't want to be triggered by such a question, especially when it's given to you snarky, you know, and, 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 and that kind of way is like, oh, really? Um, so you don't want to react to things, but you want to give an answer to every man of the hope that lieth in you. Uh, and so to do it properly, you first consider where they're coming from. Many people, not all, but many honestly can't they just can't put their finger on they can't understand this if god is so good and he is so right and he only does right then how can being allowing all this be right so we've already looked at the 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 thought of out of um out of seven things we've already looked at three means we got four tonight but we'll we'll, we'll be quick all right the, the trouble in this world is man's fault, not God's. God created a perfect world. 
He created a perfect environment, perfect scenario, perfect everything, even down to walking and talking with him personally, face to face. Everything was perfect until man decided to disobey in rebellion to the one rule God gave. Adam and Eve, especially Adam is the one that it's passed down by. Uh, Eve was deceived, and so there's a li- not, she's not off the hook because she also received punishment, just like Adam. She's not off the hook, but Adam's the one that gets the majority of the guilt. Uh, whereas by one man, sin entered into the world. That one man dealing with Adam. Why? Because he wasn't deceived. He actually was the one that had a face-to-face talk with God. He knew exactly what he was supposed to do and not do. He was the one responsible for making sure that anybody else in his family would also know that. And therefore, Adam was the one undeceived and yet willfully chose. He sinned against God full knowledge of what he should and should not do. So it's man's fault, not God's. That's the first thing. Secondly, is to remember that God is holy. He is our Savior, but he's also a judge. And so therefore, being holy and our Savior Savior and the perfect judge of all the earth, uh, God knows what is best as a whole. And God will, even though the wrong things happen, God is going to judge all things. Don't think that just because evil in this world seems to be getting away with it right now that it's going to always be just getting away with it. It's going to come to an answer time before the judge of all the earth. But then also, we, we ended off thus far with God has given light to men, but many reject it. So why do we have evil in this world? Because God gave light, but so many reject the light and they love the darkness rather than light. And then we wonder why evil is so prevalent. God gave light, and yet man said, I'd rather live in darkness. Well, guess where evil abounds? In darkness. So the darker this world gets, the more evil, more wickedness we're going to see. It's a natural occurrence. Cause and effect. Cause, turn to evil. Effect, uh, turn to darkness. Effect, see more evil. And so it's going to happen, and it's just a part of the consequence of man rejecting and rejecting and rejecting and rejecting the light of truth. So we've ended off there. We, our basis is dealing with Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse number 1, where um, uh, Solomon himself says that there is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is common among men. It is common, but it's not all God's fault. It is man's. And man has caused this problem. And we're going to look at the last four very quickly uh, of things that, uh, that ways to answer, ways to understand why evil exists. Kind of getting our right mindset, right viewpoint of this. Let me pray very quickly. We'll look at these last four uh, swiftly together this evening. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for allowing us to be here. I pray that you take this time as we examine these last four thoughts Lord, help us in in these times to be swift but yet clear as we look at this to understand there is a right way to answer with a right heart to try to help people understand that the evil we see is a byproduct of sin. And what we see going on is a natural occurrence because of the continual darkness 
and the, the growing desire of men to live in darkness and not light. Would you help us, Lord, to, to retain an answer that might be of help and, uh, and Lord, uh, enlightenment to a degree for those that are in darkness that don't understand who God is. May we be a, uh, a faithful messenger of truth with the right answer at the right time with the right heart. Would you help us to learn these things and hold on to them for use when you give opportunity? We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. And we're going to close this out and just look at these last four. So with the first three out of the way, here's the fourth point uh, of to understand, all right? Um, and again, this is not hard, this is not deep, but it is something people have to remember. God provided salvation and offers it to all men. So people look and say, well, God is the problem. He allows evil. No, God is the solution. He provided salvation and allows all men to have access to the forgiveness he offers. Because when one receives Christ as their Savior, it does not change the fact that evil exists in the world because of darkness. But it does change the position of the person who now is in Christ. And though evil abounds, I am in Christ secure of where I stand for eternity, but also I am in the one which has the ability to help me endure the evil surroundings that I live in. Most people, their struggle is that they're dealing with evil in this world. They're being hit by evil in this world. Uh, they're constantly, feel like they're surrounded and being overrun by the darkness and evil of this world. And they have no hope to combat the overwhelming darkness and sense of despair because of the evil. And if God exists, why doesn't he deal with this and help us? He has. He offers salvation. He offers the gift of forgiveness. And he offers a family that will, in eternity, have no fear of evil. Though evil exists in this life, and we sometimes do get touched by it, as a child of God, my hope is not in whether or not I can stay far away from the evil this world has to throw at us. My hope is in Christ. And so, therefore... Uh, you know, when school shootings happen, is it bad? Yes. Is it, is it, do I wish it wouldn't happen? Yes. Uh, does sometime it get too close to home? Most definitely. But when those things happen, my hope is not set in everything in life going well. My hope is set in Christ. Does it mean that when evil touches our family, when wrong and, and wicked things touch us personally, does it mean that it doesn't affect us? Well, no. Of course it affects us. I mean, let, let somebody come after your family and let somebody attack everything that you know and hold precious. Uh, let, let's just put it this way. Let's get down to real tax from the brass tax of where we're at today. Uh, let somebody try to take and kidnap your child from Walmart parking lot. And you know exactly what's happening there. Human trafficking. And when that happens, whether or not it's successful or not, it, it puts a, a, a panic within us if we're not careful because, yeah, evil can touch our lives in as far as its effects and the fact that we sense it, we feel it, sometimes we have to deal with it. 
But my hope is not in my life being able to exist without any reference or any, any attachment or any feeling from evil. You know, hey, I'll know that I've had a good life and God is good if nothing bad ever happens to me. Well, you know, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Something bad always happens to good people sometimes. It rains on the just and the unjust. God allows good things and God allows bad things on both sides. But regardless, it's, my hope is not in whether or not I can live this life without any bad things ever happening. My hope is in Christ. But what about somebody who doesn't have Christ? And all they have is karma. And they got good karma. What happened? I had good karma. I had a good aura about me. Uh, by the way, um, I'm not trying to plug but too much, but I will say this. Uh, if any of you have, have if you have not watched, uh, Miss Rebecca and I were talking about it the other day, but if you've not watched the third Adam series, you need to see it. Um, you want you want to know what the music realm of our world today, even the quote unquote Christian music, you want to know where it really derives from and what it's all actually accomplishing. You need to watch Third Adam. Uh, it, the the stuff that uh, that he just put out in the most recent one probably my favorite one yet. Um, uh, it's missionary uh, Spencer Smith, but um, he, the, the most recent four, fourth volume of it, it's two hours, no, it's four hours. Four hours of watching. So you might want to break it up a little bit. But, um, but man, it's good. But may I say, that's what people are looking for. I, I've got a good aura. I've done all the right things. I have all the different, I have all the different stuff. You know, spirit, spiritism, spiritualism. I've got all the good stuff. All the, you know, I've got all the good ions around me. Oh, it's all good. You know, evil cannot touch me. And then all of a sudden evil hits them. Oh, what happened? <laughs> they have no hope in Christ. They have hope in man-made philosophies and man-made ideas. And when it all comes crumbling down like a house of cards and evil touches their life, they have nothing to fall back on except for to say, I thought there was a God! Watch. God provided salvation and offers it to all men. That is a good God. 1 John 4, 9 through 10. In this was manifest the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God's great love and goodness is evident by the fact that he came into this world and suffered many things. On our behalf. When he didn't have to. 1 Peter 3.18 says. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. The just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God. Not that he might keep us from ever dealing with evil. But he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh. But quickened by the spirit. So here we are. Why does God allow evil? Sometimes that's just hard to stomach. But it doesn't mean he stopped being good. If all he ever did for us is gave his son, 
that we might have for the, the opportunity for forgiveness of sins, it would be enough to declare God good. But he doesn't stop there because for his children, he is abundantly and beyond more than anything we could ask or think. He does for us. He provides for us. He is my shelter. He is my high tower. He is my confidence. He is my peace. All these things that come, these are all benefits of knowing him personally. But you're dealing with a lost world and many of them that might say they know him are just saying they know of him, but they don't even know the real him. They know the world's philosophy of a higher being. Again, that goes real deep. Um, we're not going to go there tonight, but that's where a lot of people get messed up. They think they know of God. And matter of fact, they don't even truly know of the true God, but they definitely don't know him personally. And they're, they're thus your problem. But understand, God wants to save men. He's not looking to condemn. He's not waiting with a lightning bolt saying, I can't wait till you mess up. Wham, gotcha. He's not thrilled at sending evil into our life. He's not thrilled at waiting for the opportunity to feel justified in making sure that wickedness destroys your life because you deserve it. God's not waiting to do that kind of stuff. This is not God's fault. God provided salvation and wants all men to be saved. That is his desire, and that alone makes him a good God that we don't deserve. Number five, very quickly, here's where we get into some problem. Men expect to understand everything about God. And may I say, not only do we expect, but men oftentimes uh, anticipate that their own ability to know God is so great that they could possibly, there can't be possibly anything about God that we don't know. Because we're so intelligent. I mean, look at the stuff we've invented. I mean, we're so intelligent, we now have devices that do mathematician problems for us. We don't have to do it ourselves. I mean, now that's smart. How many of y'all remember back when calculators were not allowed in the classroom? And if you got caught with a calculator during the test, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, that was before my time. <laughs> when calculators weren't even around. Well, no, they always had them. They always had the little Chinese, little, little, you know, little, little things they could do. But, yeah, <laughs> you had a calculator. <laughs> All right. But, um, but here's the thing. Now, now it's to a point where, you know, it, my wife had, had discussion with, with some kids and all before with school and everything. You know, it, there are sometimes we're going to do it without the calculator. Why? Because you need to learn how to do it. It's good to have the devices, and I love having the devices, but what happens when that device dies? You ever notice that your device is typically not working properly when you need it the most? What's wrong? You needed it, and so it broke. That's the way things happen. But here's the thing. We expect to know everything about God. Some people think we do know everything about God. And that's just how small-minded we really are. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. There are things that God has revealed to us. There are things that God has shown us, so we can know some level of understanding, but it doesn't mean that God has revealed everything about himself to us. 
The Bible does declare us that, that his ways are, are higher than his, his thoughts beyond our thoughts. We cannot comprehend all that God intends or, or, or his reasonings for doing. By, by the way, if God operated like us, we would be in chaos. Because most of the time we operate in the moment on what we know. And since our knowledge is limited, we make some pretty dumb decisions. Any of y'all ever looked back over a week and thought, just let's just take one week. Let's not go any further than that because then that, that just gets really crowded. But just over one week, you ever look back and said, I could have done a lot of things different. Man, I wish I would have done that different, that different, and, oh, definitely that right there, okay? Um, we just look over one week and we realize, boy, if I could have seen my whole week, if I could have known what was coming, I would have made way better decisions along the way. By the way, just a little bitty thought for us. God does know. What we don't know, he's already aware of, and then we question what he thinks he knows. God, how can this be right? How can this be good? How can you even use this at all? God, what were you thinking? Well, he, technically, he's thinking far beyond what we're thinking. That's the problem. We can't see where he already knows, and he's doing according to a plan that's far beyond our comprehension and we can't get why he allows some things. But if we could know the mind and heart of God, we would automatically know instantly, oh, you mean you got a bigger picture? Oh, you got a, you got a much larger plan. It's not just about this. Or better yet, let's put it this way, I got to move on. But it's not just about my little bubble. Isn't that how we operate? God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Me, Lord. What's wrong with this? this? Why me, Lord? Why this, Lord? Why us, Lord? And we're right here in our bubble, our bubble. Our, and all we can see is, God, why us? Why us? Why us? And we can't see. God's standing back and he's like, yeah, but I'm seeing how you're connected to all. I want to accomplish something with this. Um, by the way, let's go to someone in the Bible we're all pretty familiar with that God used in such a way. Anybody want to guess his name? Job. Hello, Job. God, why would you do this to me? God, why do I got to lose my children? God, why do I got to lose my entire business, my, my, my business, all this that I have, all my fortune, all my stuff that I've got? Well, God, why, why do I have to have the wife that turns her back? Lord, why do I got to have friends that are miserable? Well, Lord, why, why, why do I got to have all this kind of stuff? God, what are you doing? It feels like you're just picking on me. Well, to a degree, God was using Job. Matter of fact, Satan didn't even come up with it. God was the one who said, oh, by the way, have you considered my servant Job? You know, there are sometimes like, Lord, I certainly hope you're not bringing me up. Just leave me out of it. Please leave me out of it. You know, <laughs> pick on him. <laughs> yeah, Pastor Schmidt, pick on Pastor Schmidt. But you look around like, Lord, we want to say, Lord, don't use me like that, please. But at the same time, now think about it, after the fact, what we know about Job, what we see from the outside looking back at his life, and think about what an honor to a degree it must have been when you think about it for Job to be the one that God said, I want to prove something to the adversary about those who really love me. Better yet, I want to prove something to all those around. Was Job ever vindicated? Yeah. 
I wonder how small his friends felt when God gave him twice as much as he ever had before. What'd you do, Job? We know you sinned, Job. It has to be sin, Job. Come on, Job, just be honest, Job. And then when it's all, all said and done, God relifts Job, re-exalts Job and gives him twice as much as he ever had. You never hear from his friends. You never hear them speaking up anymore. Why? Because God was using the circumstance. Job in his little bubble would not have been able to understand in that moment, but God in his infinite wisdom and knowledge knew exactly what he was seeking to accomplish. Men expect to understand everything about God, and that is where we get into trouble because we think he is so pathetic we can understand him. Now, let me give you a little bit harder one for us. Ready? Number six, God does not have to answer to men. God, you better answer me. (laughs) He doesn't have to. Uh, Let me just give you this. Romans 9.20. Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Will the creation look at the creator and say, what were you thinking? Now, I know sometimes we look around and think, you know, God must have been using spare parts on some people. But, but when you get down to it, I know my wife's like, oh, you didn't say that. Yes, I did. But, <laughs> but you, you look around, you know, we, we do joke about some people when it comes when God was passing out brains, you were absent. Um, you know, we joke about stuff like that. But here's the thing. Too many times man think, men, mankind, men think that we have arrived so much that we can now question the creator and say, we don't know that you know what you think you know. We don't think that you are any longer competent enough to actually handle my affairs. So I'm taking over. And then when everything goes haywire, what do you think you're doing, God? How could you allow this? Right? Is that not how the world operates? We're taking control of our life. And then when they make a mess out of it and they open the door for wickedness and evil to pour into a nation, all of a sudden, there's not a good God or he wouldn't be letting this happen. He just let you have what you demanded. And now it's all his fault. But God does not have to answer to man. He's the creator. We are the creation. As God's creation, man is required to trust and obey the one that created them. Regardless of whether we can understand him. God must be God and may I say God will be God. Ultimately, what it comes down to as a whole is man wants to blame God for their own doings. Because we have a society, and it's been nothing, nothing new today, but it is a little exaggerated. We do have a society today where no one wants to take responsibility for our own actions. If man would just say, God, it's my fault. Help. His, his hand is not slack. His abilities are not weakened. 
He can step in and deal with and heal and help through any hurt and any problem that man faces if man would just humble ourselves in the sight of God and say, Lord, I was wrong. This is my fault. Please help. By the way, anytime man is willing to resist and reject themselves and turn to God, which is the evidence of true repentance. Anytime man is willing to do that, doesn't matter how far they've gone, God is willing and able to forgive. Which is why salvation is available to all men if they will turn to him. Here's the last thing, we're done. Remember, this is real deep. Remember, there is a devil. Now, we, we put so much focus on God, God, God. Now, understand, we said before, nothing, nothing happens that is, that is not either God sent or God allowed. We know that. He is the ultimate. Everything, even what Satan is allowed to do. How do you know that? Go back to the story of Job. Satan said, oh, yeah, I've thought about him, but I can't touch him because you won't let me. Satan wanted to. He desired to. He had his eye on Job. He had a whole plan figured out. How do you know that? Because when God said, you go ahead, here's what you can do, and here's your limits, he already knew what of his plan he could put into action. There was no hesitation. Satan already knew everything he wanted to do. And if God would have allowed him, he would have killed Job. Matter of fact, that probably would have been his first option because if I kill him, he definitely can't serve him. <laughs> But if I can't kill him, I'll just make him suffer. But God said you can do everything. First thing he said, do everything, but you can't touch his health. And so you see, everything happened to him emotionally, but you, nothing physically. And then the second time, God says you can touch his health, but you can't take his life. And so Satan did everything you could possibly, to a degree, the worst suffering you could possibly imagine without dying, wishing you could. When you're sitting in ashes with a, with a broken piece of pottery, literally cutting and scraping with no morphine, no, no anesthesia, no, you're, you're in such pain, it feels better cutting yourself open and scraping off the boils. I think I just said, Lord, I'm, I'm good. Just go ahead and kill me, please. <laughs> You'd feel better off dead than what he was going through. Satan had a plan. Satan already had his mind on it. Satan already wanted to hit him and hit him hard, but God would not allow it. So understand, yes, to a degree when this world says, why does God allow evil? Well, to a degree, they're not wrong. It is God that does allow it, but it's not God who has caused it. There are some things that are, righteous and holy and perfect judge knows you can't keep that from happening it is natural consequence and if you always remove consequence you end up with people that start thinking more highly of their own abilities and their rights to do so 
we could test this out. I don't encourage you to do so, but if you wanted to try to prove me wrong, which I know most of you in here wouldn't, but for those that are watching, if you want to try to prove me, prove me wrong, then take your children in your home and no matter what they do, make sure there's no consequence whatsoever. You save them from every single consequence. You intervene. You move things around. You stop any bad things from happening that should have been a natural result of their bad decisions. You do that and you'll end up with 20, 30, and 40-year-olds living in your home waiting for you to whitewash everything the rest of their lives while they live their life however they want and you live in misery. Say, how do you know that? Because just look around this world. It's happening all over the place. You cannot hide consequence and withhold consequence and man naturally be drawn to right. Doesn't happen. Consequence is what teaches us I messed up. And a holy God understands that when man rejects righteousness and rejects the light of salvation and his son, Christ, Jesus Christ, and man desires darkness, the natural ha- uh, habitat that darkness produces is a habitat for wickedness and evil. And the natural consequence without God getting in the way to stop it, the natural consequence is what we're seeing today in the world. People killing people. People abducting others. People abusing others. People robbing and stealing and, 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 and messing others' lives up just for the fun of it. I mean, the wickedness you see, it is a result of man desiring darkness rather than light. But there is a devil. He is in the Bible, considered and called our adversary. He is a thief. He wishes to deceive, devour, and destroy every creation of God. Anything God's created, he tries to create a wicked version of it. Everything God designed, he tries to design a wicked version of it. Even down to the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, don't have time to go into it now, but there is an unholy Trinity that he is trying to mimic everything about God, but on the darkness and wicked side. That is our adversary. When God promises that he will give blessing, devil paints a pretty picture and says, if you'll take mine, you'll really enjoy it. But what he doesn't say is, it comes with decay and rot and misery. Everything Satan puts out is of a poisonous nature. There is an adversary And so there are times when it is just the evidence that our adversary is kicking things up. And the Lord knows things must wax worse and worse to the day when Christ himself will come back to put a stop to it. John 10.10 says this, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. There's our adversary. There's evil. There's wickedness right there. I am come, Christ speaking, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So why does God allow evil? Got to understand the trouble in this world is man's fault, not God's. 
God is holy, he is our savior, but he is also a judge, and a judge will always, a righteous judge will always do what is right, even down to allowing the natural consequences to come. God has given light to men, but many rejected it. God provided salvation and offers it to all men, which proves he is good in the midst of a troubled world. Men expect to understand everything about God, but we don't. And that's why we can't fathom who he is. And they don't want to accept that he knows more than them. God does not have to answer to man. He is the creator. We're just a creation. And you can't forget we have an adversary called the devil. And he is still existent. And he is going around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour He's not hiding himself. Matter of fact, it's becoming more brazen and brazen and brazen in this world. Why do we see more evil? Because the evil day is coming upon us like a tidal wave. Doesn't mean that God doesn't exist. Doesn't mean that God stopped being good. Doesn't mean that God's not in control. Doesn't mean that God has done us wrong. It means that God has a plan And it's time that men accept that he is the one in control and only he can give peace in the midst of the storm. You must be careful in how you answer people, but you must answer them with truth the best of your ability. And if they want to reject it, it just proves the point that men would rather love darkness rather than have light. Therefore, the evil is still gonna come and it's still gonna hit and they're still not gonna have hope. Because the only hope that we find is in Jesus Christ. If it were not for the goodness of the Lord, I had fainted unless I had believed the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I ought to turn around and make that my life's verse. Because it really has come up over and over and over again. But it's true. People lose hope many times because their hope is only in themselves. And it's only in good things happening. My hope has to be in the Lord because evil and wickedness abound all around me. And sometimes the wickedness and evil of this world touches my life, even though I wish it wouldn't. But sometimes the acts of men affect me and my family. Sometimes the acts of people who call themselves Christian affect me and my family. But it's just because it's a natural cause of sin. Only God can give me the strength to endure against the wickedness and the evil that exists. Having done all to stand in that evil day, it's time that we put on the armor. It's time that we go ahead and get close to the God of this book instead of pointing fingers, helping others to understand the importance of of who God is, even in the midst of bad times. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for the truth.